Hi, everyone. I am your host, Tommy O'Neill, and you're listening to Coffee Shop, the perfect podcast for you hipsters to sit down and sip on your $8 vanilla lattes and learn about some of today's hottest books, TV shows, and movies. Today, we'll be talking about the new and upcoming title, The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, which I am very excited for it to be released shortly on May 12th. The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is an upcoming 2023 action-adventure game developed by Nintendo for the Nintendo Switch, and it is a sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which came out in 2017. And Tears of the Kingdom retains many aspects of its predecessor, including the open-world environment of Hyrule, which has been expanded to allow for more vertical exploration. Link, the protagonist of Tears of the Kingdom, is joined by Zelda and is opposed by the evil force that seeks to destroy Hyrule. Following the completion of Breath of the Wild's development in 2017, a sequel was conceived after the game's downloadable content DLC, which was unable to contain all of the ideas put forth by the development team. Breath of the Wild director Hadamero Fubayashi and producer Eiji Animuya reprised their roles in Tears of the Kingdom. A teaser trailer for Tears of the Kingdom was aired in E3 all the way back in 2019, and a full reveal was aired at E3 2021. And the game's title was revealed during a September 2022 Nintendo Direct, which covers a lot of Nintendo's downloadable content, games, and much more. While Tears of the Kingdom was initially planned for release in 2022, it is currently scheduled for a release on May 12th. So by the end of this podcast, I would like to answer the question, is this game worth pre-ordering just based off of everything we know from the trailer? And another thing worth mentioning is that this game is actually currently $70 as of right now on the Nintendo eShop for pre-order, which most games typically are sold as $60 at the maximum that I have seen on the market. So I'm very curious as to why that kind of additional $10 was put into the game rather than kind of cap it at $60. The reason why I think so much hype was generated about this game was just because of the success of Breath of the Wild. And for those of you who aren't aware, Breath of the Wild was one of the first Legend of Zelda games to have a open environment where you could explore and not be kind of confined to the walls of the game and you could explore do whatever you want and giving um, legend of zelda fans the option to do that as link i think really is what sold it for them and breath of the wild was actually one of the highest selling legend of zelda games ever and to be regarded by fans and critics alike as one of the best and most important open world games in all of history a game that broke the rules of zelda by giving players free reign to do whatever they wanted whenever they wanted a game that took nostalgia and innovation and created something new and captivating for longtime fans and newcomers alike. Implementing moments of nothing in video games is a really risky choice and one that developers do not make often. If players find themselves bored, then typically they stop playing your game and become interested in any DLC or sequel to the game. Thus, directors for Breath of the Wild worked very hard to stimulate the gamer at all times and make the player feel like they are engaged with the gameplay at all times. The more the gamer is doing, the better the game is, right? Games like Doom, Cuphead, Hotline Miami, you name it, are very extremely stimulating experiences with little to no downtime. All of them experience both commercial and critical excess, with sequels and DLC capitalizing on that success. Action video games have made changes to better themselves by further implementing the adrenaline-based, blood-pressurizing style of these fast-paced games. However, Breath of the Wild kind of took an opposite approach. 
Sure, there are adrenaline pumping moments in Breath of the Wild when you're facing Ganon or working through the shrines. However, traversing the world of Breath of the Wild can be an exciting and dangerous task, but the game is obviously not built around those moments. The game to me, I think, is built on the moments where nothing really happens at all. Moments where Hyrule is able to be appreciated for the beautiful land that it is, moments where the sun is just starts to set over the horizon, and where Link can kind of just run around and breathe. The moments where you finish walking up a hill, you can see the entire ocean in front of you, or where you can kind of use your paraglider to transcend the sky. So those are just some of the things that I really took out of the game when I played it back in 2017, which was a while ago. So I feel like it's kind of necessary just for us to kind of talk about Breath of the Wild and why it was so successful and how great of an open world action video game that it was. And I highly recommend that you guys go back and play it because after seeing the trailer for Tears of the Kingdom, I had gone back to my old playthrough just to get a taste of Breath of the Wild and to refresh myself with the story, environment, and everything that's kind of building up for Tears of the Kingdom on May 12th. Nintendo's already shown a lot of select footage from the game Tears of the Kingdom, but one thing that hasn't been confirmed just yet is the sequel's performance and resolution. Fortunately, it seems previews have been able to get an idea of how the new entry runs take thanks to directly captured footage, but according to the Nintendo World Report, the build of Tears of the Kingdom ran at 30 frames per second, 30 frames per second with a resolution of 1600 by 900 in docked mode. And docked mode means kind of hooked up to your television rather than in handheld mode where you are using your Joy-Cons that are attached to the body. It was also mentioned how the game was consistently running at the stream rate in most cases, but there were drops during more heated and stimulating moments. So that is something that I'm a little bit more concerned about for Tears of the Kingdom is the performance because the Nintendo Switch is an older console and its components really aren't state of the line. So for them to be developing this game to have this huge world and a world that's even larger than the world in Breath of the Wild, I'm kind of concerned about how the game is going to perform on such an older console. Anyway, back to the trailer, there is a lot to go over. And one of the main things that I have first noticed were Link's new powers that he had received. One of the first ones is called Recall, which is an ability that allows players to rewind time in the path of physical objects, kind of forcing those objects to do any motions that they had done in the past couple of seconds. Another one is Fuse. This is an ability kind of complex, So, but a quick breakdown is it allows you to create instant combinations of weapons and shields merged with other items. So if you mix two weapons together for a new hybrid, you can add special materials, you introduce new elements to your arrows, stick things on your shield, so blocking attacks, add trigger effects, and much more. Which seems really fun to use and seems pretty versatile, and can be kind of done quickly and on the fly, so it's applicable even in the middle of combat. Another ability is Ultra Hand, which is a combination of telekinesis and super glue. So it allows you to move and attach objects to form new structures, and more notably, the new Zelda Tears of the Kingdom vehicles. So players can lift things, objects like logs, fans, sails, and more, and adhere them to other objects to result in complex constructions made for a specific purpose. Vehicles are kind of the main focus here, and 
something that we saw in the trailer where boats, cars, and even flying machines put together using this ultra hand ability, which seems really fun to use. And I can't wait to kind of explore that in Tears of the Kingdom. Ascend is another one that we saw in the trailer, which causes Link to rise straight up to the air. But there has to be a surface above Link for him to rise up to, such as the ceiling platform, the underside of an island, or something else. So this ability is kind of very simple, but useful for the archipelagos that Link is going to be able to ascend to, which are the various floating islands that are going to be added to Tears of the Kingdom. At the time of recording, the only abilities that we know of that are in Tears of the Kingdom are just those four, but it's also not declaratively said that those will be the only four, and it's possible that we'll see more in the game when it comes out May 12th. In Breath of the Wild, they had five abilities, including the camera function and even added another one, which is summoning the master cycle, which was in uh, an addition in DLC. Still, it seems like even if they don't add the abilities from Breath of the Wild, I'm still very excited to utilize the new abilities that, that we have seen in the trailer. Another part of um, the trailer that was my favorite was actually the music. It comp combined a bunch of different elements of different Legend of Zelda games, such as Zelda's Lullaby, Hyrule Castle, Link's iconic main theme, and more. And I think it, the composer for that, it was just expertly done. I mean, to combine all of the Legend of Zelda tracks and kind of throw them into one trailer as little Easter eggs was such a cool thing to hear as a Legend of Zelda fan. And I really encourage you to go take a listen to it, at least. I mean, truly, it was awesome. And at minute three, there's this freaking awesome saxophone solo that I just cannot stop listening to. It has been a week or two since the trailer has come out, and I like YouTube search it every day just to listen to that part of the trailer. I'm so serious. You need to go give that a listen. Breath of the Wild is stocked full of inspiration and nods to iconic Studio Ghibli movies, such surface on surface level and more rooted and much deeper. Everything from art style to character designs to world design to major themes and even the soundtrack have taken influence from director Miyazaki and his famous works. And that is something that I noticed in the trailer, such as like the Koroke seeds as a little, little Easter egg to Studio Ghibli. And as a Studio Ghibli fan, I could not help but draw a parallel to some of the music that was in Tears of the Kingdom. So if you're familiar with any of the Studio Ghibli movies, I think it's safe to say that there is a lot of inspiration they're taking from those movies. And the movies that Studio Ghibli make are some of the more beautifully animated movies that I have ever seen. In Tears of the Kingdom trailer, another takeaway was the shrines that were once in Breath of the Wild return with a new look. So shrines were the primary way that Link was able to progress in Breath of the Wild, gifting him spirit orbs that could then be spent to improve his health or stamina. In Tears of the Kingdom trailer, it doesn't explicitly confirm that shrines as we know them will return, but in various instances, you can see shrine-like structures littered around the map. Whereas before, shrines were easy to pick out from their glowing blue look, the shrine in Tears of the Kingdom seemed to be less fluorescent and instead can be identified by the green halo ring above them and swirling blue rings around them. 
The trailer doesn't hint at how important these new shrines will be compared to the ones that came before in Breath of the Wild, but they look to definitely return alongside other forms of many challenges that we saw in Breath of the Wild, like various dungeons and puzzles. We also got a tease at fighting alongside friends. And Link is used to undergoing his adventures as a solo explorer. And Tears of the Kingdom looks to mostly play out the same way for most of what we've seen so far, but more so than ever before the final trailer gave us a few good looks at what looks to be like some kind of in-game ensemble gameplay where NPC characters are able to fight alongside Link and lend them a hand in battle. Uh, there are a few returning characters like Tulin and Zidon, which are the champions from Breath of the Wild, were pictured standing along next to Link and preparing for battle. Also, there was a whole bunch of new characters that may or may not be descendants of Zelda, Breath of the Wild's champions, but there are allies that look remarkably like Daruk and Mufia that seem to occupy Link in fighting some familiar enemies, possibly hinting at various points in Zelda Tears of the Kingdom where players will be able to engage in large-scale set-piece battles. Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is Nintendo's first $70 game ever, and Nintendo of America president Doug Bowser had shared why Nintendo chose to raise the price of the specific Nintendo Switch title. He said in an interview that, We look at what the game has to offer. I think fans will find this an incredibly full, deeply immersive experience. The price point reflects the type of experience that fans can expect when it comes to playing this particular game. This isn't a price point that we'll necessarily have in all of our titles. It's actually a fairly common pricing model, either here or in Europe or other parts of the world, where pricing may vary depending on the game itself. So doing this, I think, was an interesting choice made by Nintendo, since it being the first $70 game ever, a lot of fans could have complaints if they aren't satisfied with the game or how it runs, then bringing up their price point is kind of like an kind of like an easy jab or low blow that people can take. So now I know I've kind of gone over my analysis in the trailer and what I've taken out of it, but there's still a lot left out and there's a lot of questions that Zelda fans still have about the series. One of the main questions is, will there be a new form of companion for Link? Most 3D Zelda titles have featured Link going on adventures accompanied by some kind of companion. These have ranged from fairies to a shadowy imp to, and to even a talking boat. However, Breath of the Wild, with its tradition in favor of more solitary adventures across Hyrule. Sure, you can tame horses and other animals, but they're considerably less chatty than Link's usual companions. And while you can do some occasional adventures with the companions, we're hoping Tears of the Kingdom will include a more committed companion for us to go through the game with. Another question is, we still don't know how Hyrule is different from Breath of the Wild. From the teasers and trailers for Tears of the Kingdom so far, it's clear that Hyrule will have a different style than Breath of the Wild, with the floating islands rising above the familiar landscape. But how much of the original landscape will remain? Have these sky islands or archipelagos changed or destroyed the landmarks from Breath of the Wild? Did they uncover some kind of new area to explore down below, either in existing locations or because you can now explore beyond previous boundaries? So we, we really don't know. However, the only thing that is confirmed is that the map is twice the size of Breath of the Wild. We also don't know what the deal is with Link's cursed arm. 
from the footage and promotional material have shown Link with what appears to be some kind of prosthetic arm. The arm glows green and looks like it's made of the Sheikah tech that we saw in Breath of the Wild, which gave him those rune abilities that we've seen. It looks like it might be related to some of his new abilities since he's seen raising it and using some of them in the trailers. However, we are still not sure. Have all of his powers been integrated into his arm now? But perhaps more importantly, if the arm is kind of supposed to be a prosthetic, how does Link incur the most lasting injury he's ever suffered? And I'm going to bring Studio Ghibli back up because in one of the more popular Studio Ghibli films um, called Princess Mononoke, one of the main characters has a cursed arm and he has some of his powers drawn from that cursed arm. And I wonder if there's going to be any sort of reference to that movie since Link and Ashitaka, the main character of Princess Mononoke, written by uh, Miyazaki, have very similar powers in terms of strength and other kind of otherworldly abilities. And we also still don't know what Zelda's role is. While Zelda herself is not physically present for most of Breath of the Wild, she still was a major character in the game, thanks to the memories you find throughout Hyrule, which fleshes out most of the plot. These memories help flesh out not only the game's story, but also her character and make Zelda feel more grounded and dynamic than past games. So I was just wondering how active the Princess Zelda will be in Tears of the Kingdom and how she's handling her trauma from being kidnapped by Ganon for so long. Will the game return her to a classic damsel role or is she once again fighting against your foe in a different way? And personally, I was always a fan of when Zelda was able to kick ass and maybe even turn into Sheik like she did in Twilight Princess. Kind of like a more badass role, I would say, is more fitting for Zelda. And I really hope she kind of returns to that role since we haven't been able to see Zelda outside of her typical bullshit damsel and distress role, which I was never a fan of. But I really hope that she's able to have some kind of way of maybe dealing damage in the game and or maybe even being one of the companions that I mentioned earlier. If she is able to be like a playable role or able to aid Link in combat, I think that would be a really huge benefit to her character. Another one of my gripes with Breath of the Wild is how easily the weapons break. Whenever you're kind of exploring the world, you get to pick up weapons from enemies or find them in chests or find them laying around the environment around you. And they break almost like after two or three fights with an enemy. So Link must save Hyrule while knowing if the metal sword he's using will disintegrate in his hands, which I thought was just kind of, it's kind of bullshit, honestly. Although most players kind of acknowledge that it does force us to switch up our play style and to get a grasp of the different weapons and that are presented in front of us, it does get annoying having these weapons break time and time again. So I was just wondering if Nintendo had listened to the complaints of their fans and are going to provide a more long-term lasting weapon in Tears of the Kingdom instead of Breath of the Wild. So despite all the questions and concerns that I've had about Tears of the Kingdom, even after doing a, a deep dive into the trailers that we've seen so far, I still think the game is definitely going to be worth the $70, even for pre-order. I was so impressed by the different abilities that Link got 
the soundtrack as well as the gameplay shown in the trailer as well as kind of comparing it to breath of the wild i think the game is going to be twice the size and twice the fun so again i encourage you to go give the trailer a watch and let me know what you think for those of you at home thank you are for listening and i hope you actually finish your coffee instead of leaving half of it in the cup take care and i'll see you all next time